I'll pick a game. That's that's my actual job, by the way. I pick whichever game I want to go to, and we go. And it, it, whether it's Alabama or Ohio State or Penn State, wherever, Oregon, they will let me work out at the team facility. They'll let me work out in their weight room on Friday. That is its own miniseries. Welcome in. Certainly hope you had a very Merry Christmas. Uh, back with you now on the Run the Race podcast. Jason Dennis here and had a great time with my family. I'm back to work here at WTVM as a news anchor and podcast host and everything. So uh, just the train back on the tracks. And um, so we had had a great time playing games, eating lots of food and having folks over and uh, watched uh, some holiday movies, some of our favorites, uh, Home Alone, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, the classic that we uh, try to watch every single year uh, in black and white, of course. And uh, now uh, after, uh, you know, still in this holiday season, there was, you know, there's some NBA on, there was some NFL on the last few few days. My Dolphins beat the Cowboys. But um, now we uh, turn our attention a little more now that we've uh, moved past Christmas towards the new year, towards 2024, uh, towards uh, college football. And uh, even though the regular season ended several weeks ago, we are uh, got some huge games coming up in the next week, and so we have an expert to talk about that today and talk about uh, his uh, skyrocketing to fame and uh, the, the hard work that he put in for uh, for his career, for fitness, for faith, and and uh, it's uh, Josh Pape, who uh, actually has roots here in Harris County, Columbus, Georgia area, where I am. He is a passionate sports analyst and host of the renowned Late Kick Live show, and uh, they've, they've had about 470 episodes, 480 episodes now, but overall, uh, if you think about way back to when he started that show, he's closing in on about 650 or 700 episodes. Um, so again, he is from Columbus, Georgia. He is a, a prominent voice in the sports media landscape, a very loyal following. I know they have at least a quarter of a million subscribers. He has a lot of people that listen to him. He's now nationally uh, on CBS as a sports analyst, specifically for college football. Uh, the Columbus TV station at WLTZ, which is under our umbrella here now at Newsletter 9, hired him to do a college football show, and uh, he was soon promoted to be sports director, so did the normal sports thing. And then he was a news anchor working, I think, the early morning shift. And uh, rather than moving you know, towards ESPN or the network, he chose to start his own show. He talks about you know that little origin story there called Late Kick. Uh, you know he, he delivered his own unique content to college football fans and uh, through YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. And uh, after a couple of years of that, just took off like a rocket and got an offer from Twenty Four Seven Sports. It's a lot of websites owned by CBS and moved that show to Nashville, Tennessee, where he's been for several years. I got a big sponsorship deal with Academy Sports and Outdoors. And now he uh, not only does 24-7, but does a CBS. And so he's got that late kick show as well that offers fans a, you know, really a, a front row seat, you can say, to the world of college football. They do game breakdowns, rapid reaction, um, really, he, as he calls it, no offseason, no hot takes. Um, and uh, it's built with you in mind. And so uh, we, we talk um, on, on this episode about following your dream, what you have to do. He said on um, one of his videos from in the last couple of years, he said uh, that he was evicted 
with less than $0 to his name uh, as recently as 2019. And he's, his message for folks is keep grinding. And so uh, hard work definitely pays off. He comes from very humble beginnings. We talk about that and how late kick started his love for, for college football, specifically the SEC culture. Uh, we talk about how faith and church in Christ uh, leads his decisions in his life growing up in church here in Georgia and uh, also stays in shape because he wears a certain kind of a shirt uh, pretty much every single day or episode. So we talk a little bit about why he does that. Uh, we also have some predictions that he gives us, some hot takes towards the end. I wouldn't say, I guess not hot takes. He doesn't do that. But uh, gives some predictions on some uh, quick hitters on uh, big games coming up this Friday uh, through uh, New Year's Day. Uh, uh, Clemson versus Kentucky, Missouri, Ohio State. Auburn versus Maryland, Georgia versus Florida State, and then the uh, CFP, the college football playoff. We've got Alabama versus Michigan and Texas versus Washington. So you'll hear uh, who Josh thinks uh, is probably going to win those days. And uh, <clears throat> and you can also check out uh, Josh Pate all over social media. He's on Twitter, which is now called X. He has some funny stuff on there, some recent posts. He said uh, um, the, uh, the portal, the college football portal, at 9 a.m. it was an empty ring, and then he shows a picture of the portal at 5 p.m. just eight hours later is like a bunch of wrestlers in chaos. And uh, he also said, astronauts are impressive, but nothing is more challenging than being a Florida fan with the day-to-day roller coaster of chaos. So he loves football. He loves life. And here's my conversation with Josh Pate. Well, thank you so much, uh, Josh Pate, the one and only joining us now from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. We appreciate it. Hey, I I talked to you, but last time we would have talked, it was in Columbus. And so I don't know what I would have done if you said, next time you guys chat, it'll be, well, it'll be over something called Zoom and you'll be in Nashville and no further context provided. I have no idea what's going on. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we both love college football. We both, we both love God. So, you know, I, I, we can get along with those things, right? Yeah, yeah, that'll work. Those are the ties that bind, as they say. <laughs> that's right. Well, we're going to talk about, um, you know, the grind, because I know that's something that you're passionate about, about, you know, hard work pays off, following your dreams. We're going to talk about college football, SEC culture. We're going to talk about um, faith and how that you know, relates to your life. And we're also going to, of course, talk about some of the big games coming up uh, in the next few days. Um, it's going to be exciting. A lot of stuff with the uh, college football playoff and uh, with the uh, – the portal, which is kind of the wild, wild west nowadays. But, you know, the, um, before I get started, I did this in honor of you because I know you're from Harris County and, and have worked in Columbus, Georgia, where we're at now. I've got an Auburn shirt on yep. and I've got my Georgia National Championship hat on. So it's kind of, you know, the split family here because I was an Auburn fan for about 20 years because they're, they're right up the road from us, 40 minutes away when I moved down here. I was a, a North Carolina guy, a college basketball guy, and they said you had to pick. You got to pick, you know. Gotta, you know, so I said, well, they're right up there. And now my son is a student at Georgia. So is it okay to like more than one team? I mean, is it is that uh, you know uh, is that a faux pas? Oh no, no. Listen, the best professional advice I could ever give is ride the fence as long and as um, meticulously as you can. Now the beauty is. If you get in the industry, you have an excuse to. Basically, Dennis, you want to find out a way you can never be a loser. And I just did that thing where I call you by your last name because I do everyone like that. That's okay. That's but, okay, Paige. That's okay, Paige. Exactly. But <laughs> if 
If you find yourself in just a normal walk of life, if you're, if you're working double shifts at a factory and you've pulled for Auburn for a long time and you just think, I want out, how do I get out? That's how you do it. You find the nearest child that is biologically yours and you send them off to Georgia or wherever you want to transfer your fandom to. And it may cost a little money, but look, this is worth it. And that's how you slowly transition yourself to being another fan and you escape criticism because you can look someone in the eye and say, Am I gonna? Am I gonna forsake my child? You don't want me to do that, do you? Of course you don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know, because I, I say my my son and my money now go to Georgia, so I'm not really officially joining the bandwagon. I'm, I'm, you know, I have a reason for doing it, right? Right. And you still have the t-shirts, <laughs> so you're good. That's right. I don't, <laughs> I don't wear them too much. I uh, listen. And the Iron Bowl was. The last uh, two Iron Bowls at Jordan-Hare Stadium were unbelievable. It was like Auburn snatching defeat from the jaws of victory both times, right? I was in Detroit International Airport. We had just done Ohio State-Michigan, and that was a noon kickoff. So about the time I get to Detroit's airport to fly back to Nashville is about the time the Iron Bowl is end of the third, early start of the fourth quarter. And I don't know how many people who are watching or listening who have ever watched like a big college football Saturday in a major airport. But it's crazy because every every restaurant has just this, this sea of people standing outside like me who are too cheap to go in and buy food, but you want to watch the TVs. And when that Iron Bowl catch, when Isaiah Bond on 4th and 31 in the back of the end zone happened, Detroit, Michigan of all places, just, just explodes. You can hear shouting down each terminal corridor. And uh, that was surreal because – Two years ago, the other one you're talking about, yeah. I was at the same airport because I had covered the same game then. And I was at the Enterprise rental car terminal returning a car when I thought Bama had just lost the game. And so I, I turn off the car. I go return it. It's it's driving snow, by the way. I'm, I'm sure we're going to be delayed. But since it's Detroit, we were not delayed. And um, by the time I get to TSA, I look at the final and Bama's won. And I'm, I'm dead serious with you. When I said I thought ESPN had just mixed the scores up on the final, I thought it was a glitch. There's no way Bama won that game. And sure enough, they won the game. So Detroit, Michigan, if you're an Auburn fan, that's where you want to keep me far away from. Because if I'm up there in late November, things are not going well for you. Well, we're, we're going to talk about Michigan and Alabama and Texas and Washington in just a little bit. So for folks that are, want to hear some of your college football takes, I know that you're not big into like hot takes or and we, we're not going to say the word off season. We're not going to say that. You know, it's, I know there's never an off season. I know. But uh, I wanted to kind of get into your story a little bit for folks who listen to you and, and uh, have listened to, to Late Kick for, for years now. I think you're up to... Is it 600, 700 episodes? I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's, yeah. If you combine the stuff we did in Columbus and the stuff we're doing now here, especially, I don't, man, we may be over 800. I know we're at four. Last night we did episode 465. Yeah. From the time I've been in Nashville and we, we put several hundred in the can down there before that. Yeah. Well, you got lots of people listening. You've had an, an awesome career, skyrocketed now to CBS Sports uh, through, you know, 24 uh, 7. But, I want to talk about, you know, folks, you know, following your dream. Like for me, um, when I was 14, 15 years old, I wanted to be a sportscaster. And that was my dream. I was shooting for that. And then I kind of got smart in college and said, okay, sports, you're working weekends, you're working nights, you're working 20 hour days. That's not something that I want to do necessarily as, a, as you know, wanted to have a family. So I, I shifted to news and, and news anchoring, which you have some experience with as well. But 
talk about following your dream and, and having that faith to succeed because I mean, it's, it's difficult, right? Especially in this business. It's, I was just talking to someone about this yesterday who is a, a national figure in the sports scene. Everyone would know this name. And I asked this person, what do you tell people when they hit you up and ask, how could I do what you do? Cause I get those a lot. I get people who are familiar with my story and they ask, how do I get to where you are? And I am very brutally honest with them because that's the only way to be. And the first thing you have to ask is, how long are you willing to work for nothing? Um, how, how should I be sure that anyone cares what you have to say is the best question I ever got asked. Because if you're trying to get into the sports media business, not, not merely sports news, not anchoring, but sports commentary, and the opinion-making side of the fence, by definition, you're assuming that people care what you have to say. And the reality is your, your target audience, Jason, is the most stubborn group of people in the world. We're part of it. You and I are part of it. Sports fans, college football fans especially, never shut up because everyone has an opinion and everyone has something to say on everything. So if you think from a psychological perspective, what you're trying to do is you're trying to present yourself as such an authoritative voice that the most stubborn people in the world shut up and they listen to what you have to say. And the reality is very few people possess that intangible quality. So that's the first thing. The second thing is even if you have that, you are going to have to pay your dues. There is no way around that. And I, I think one of the blessings that I had was I didn't come from very much and so that part of it was not as big a struggle as maybe it would be for some folks. But I, I, you, re, you remember back in the early 20 teens, you would have already been at WTBM. I was doing sports radio over there at 1580, the ESPN radio affiliate there in Columbus. You were uh, Bobby, Bobby Z, is that Bobby right? Bobby Z, yeah. And look, even getting in there, I, I just basically beat his door down and asked if I could come observe. I had never done anything uh, on air before, period. And uh, he let me in there and, you know, a co-host gets sick one day and he just tosses me on air because he has no other options and made that work for a couple of years. And uh, Drew Rhodes, who used to be the general manager over there at WLTZ, calls me out of the blue one day, left a voicemail. He said, now, I know you don't know me, but I have listened to you a lot because on the afternoon drive, that's my drive home when you're on radio. And we got a crazy idea over here. We, we have the CW affiliate here. And we'd love for you to just do a weeknight, 10 to 1030 college football shoot. Uh, and let's just try it out. Let's just see what it is. And so I'd never done TV before. And um, we started doing that. And I got a taste for it and ended up um, anchoring sports over there as well. And got a little taste for it. And I think around that time, this is where the entire world changed. In the mid-20-teens, okay, up until that point, <clears throat> if you wanted to have the dream that you had or the dream that I had, if you wanted to be on SportsCenter one day or, you know, if you wanted to be a national this or national that, well, you had to have overhead and distribution. That was it. That was the end of the sentence. And so you've got to have multi-million dollar studios. Only a few entities in the country really own those. And the ones who did needed to have national distribution mechanisms. And that was ESPN. That was Fox Sports. That was CBS Sports. That was NBC Sports. And that was it. And there are not many spots at the top of those ladders. And so, look, if you don't come out of Syracuse or Northwestern or you don't have an uncle or a dad who 
has an end in the business and can put you on that conveyor belt. If you're from Forts in Georgia, in other words, how are you about to make that happen? And the answer was, I probably wasn't. But in the mid 20 teens, when you're, you're holding these cell phones in your hand and all of a sudden you start seeing these stories about Facebook presenting a live streaming mechanism onto their platform and YouTube presenting a live streaming mechanism onto their platform. I have very few light bulb moments in life, but that was, that was a huge one. You and I have a mutual friend uh, named Matt Wentz and he was our chief meteorologist at the time. And I was sitting in, a, in his weather center one night after a six o'clock newscast and he's just watching a live broadcast over in the weather center. There was probably like a storm system moving through Dallas or something. So he's watching like a local affiliate somewhere. And I said, how are you watching that? He said, oh, this is Facebook Live. I didn't know about it. And I'm telling you, man, that day, like that night, it all of a sudden occurred to me, if those platforms are literally about to do that, then the barriers of overhead and distribution just in one fell swing of a sledgehammer got torn down. Because at that point, everyone can be an international voice and, and everyone has <laughs> distribution uh, powers at their disposal. But when it came time at the very end of my contract there, and at that point I was a news anchor over at WLTZ, when it came time to renew, I couldn't renew under the current language of the deal they wanted to offer me because it did not allow me to do independent content. It, you know, Their thinking was, well, if we're paying you for this, we don't want you double dipping on your own, which makes sense. That's within their right to say it's within my right to not sign a new deal. And so we settled on an independent contract, 1099 style, where I made less to anchor news. But in return, the trade-off was they allowed me to have studio time three nights a week to produce my own content. And at that point, we launched the YouTube channel and we started and we, we were by far the first on that platform to do a broadcast quality college football show on YouTube. And it didn't take but about a year and a half after that for the folks at CBS to see it and say, hold on now, we don't have anything like this on digital media. So Shannon Terry, who, who founded Rivals and 24-7 Sports, yeah. calls me and he says, can you just come up here? Can you move up here? Can you do what you do, but do it for us? I've got a studio. We never use it. We don't even know what we're doing with it. And so that was um, fall of 2019. January 2020 is when I moved up here and we started. And um, what's been funny about that is that the show is scaled really quick because there was such a hunger for that. There was such a demand because college football is the second most popular sport in this country, but it's so underserved nationally. NBA, Jason, gets 10 times the national coverage that college football does. And it's because all the decisions are made in New York City. Every major media company is headquartered there. The marketing firms, the think tanks, they're all up there. It, it is a pro sports mentality. It's an NBA city. They don't, have, they don't have satellite offices in Tuscaloosa and Athens and Auburn. And so this sport is still underserved. It was then. It still is now. But there was such a wide open market for products like mine and others that popped up since then to not only establish themselves, but scale and do huge numbers, man, and get major national advertising clients, something that people said was impossible um, just two or three years ago. Honestly, it's been that recent that the entire industry ha has started to tilt a little bit, a lot actually, in our favor. Um, but man, a lot of that is grind. A lot of that is hard work. But I would be kidding you if I said there aren't breaks involved. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't pull the lever 
at YouTube and Facebook and allow those platforms to start offering streaming capability. That It really changed my perspective on what right place, right time means. You know, I used to believe that that was just this, this happenstance sort of meeting of two axes in time. And I don't believe that so much anymore. Certainly strokes of luck happen and strokes of bad luck happen. But I became a believer in right place being something you can control. And so let me put myself in the right place and I'm going to be here. And when the right time inevitably comes along, it'll find me. That's how I changed my perspective on right place, right time because of that. Yeah, I, I'm as a as a North Carolina Tar Heel fan. Uh, well, all sports, but mostly basketball. Uh, their new coach, Hubert Davis, one of the things he says is that, like, for the guys that are on the bench, they're not starters. He says, you know, when the opportunity comes, be ready. And so uh, that was kind of like what you're talking about is like, you know, you weren't at CBS Sports, you know, national to start. But, you know, you sit and you kind of keep grinding out, working hard in Columbus, Georgia, and, and doing your own independent thing. And, you know, when that opportunity strikes, you jump on it. Uh, you got to, and, and, you know, you were talking about um, how, you know, fo college football fans, especially SEC, they, they love to talk, but, you know, shutting up and listening to somebody else is, is a big deal. So how do you know? Cause there may be, you know, hundreds of thousands of people out there that say, Hey, I could get on the radio and, and talk like Paul Feinbaum or talk like Josh Pate. But how do you know that you have that voice that is maybe stands out where you're able to do it for a living? How do your friends react when you talk amongst them is, is honestly a really good barometer because that is your audience. You, you, you're in a social circle with five other buddies. All you would do for me is multiply that by a couple of million per show. And that's my audience. It's the exact same. I mean, I hear Clearview Barbecue has been closed for a little while down there. Yeah. Which, which cuts me deep because that is where I used to go for lunch every day. And what would we do? I was working in a fabric warehouse, by the way, at the time. All we would do would, would be to talk about college football. That's my audience. And, and what I realized at the time is... First off, I didn't pop off at the mouth. I didn't say anything that I didn't think I could, couldn't follow through to a logical conclusion. And my buddies would listen to me when I spoke because they knew if I spoke, something hopefully worthwhile was coming out. Um, the other thing, though, and this is where it's different. You know this as well as I do. In live broadcast, once the red light comes on, there is a there is an ability. It's, it's kind of like an in your chest sort of thing of you've either got it or you don't. You either feel natural, you feel comfortable, you feel confident or, or you're like a slinky and you kind of sink back in your chair. That's not to an extent. That's something I think you either have in you or you don't. And it's not always the loudest, most brash person in the room that's comfortable. And it's not always the shy kid in the corner that can't do it because I am naturally a pretty shy person. And I'm very, very um, sort of, I don't know, I wouldn't call myself a recluse, but you don't find me at parties very often. Like if, if we're at a, a wedding reception, I'm not on the dance floor. I'm not in the center of the room. I'm in the corner asking, you know, when is the first reasonable time where I could leave this thing? And, <laughs> and yet I feel totally comfortable on air. So I wouldn't gauge it by how shy or extroverted I am. I would gauge it by do I feel like I have something to say? Any given point, if a statement comes out of my mouth, could I, could I walk that through? If I, if I snap my fingers and all of a sudden I'm on a debate stage, could I walk my points through to a logical conclusion? Or alternatively, would they stand up to caller-based criticism 
That is one of the best formats I've ever been on is afternoon drive time call-in sports talk because you don't just talk into the air. People challenge you, and they'll, they'll make a fool of you really quickly if you're talking about their team and, and you kind of venture over into their yard and you don't really know what you're talking about. Uh, but the other part is you just got to get reps, thousands of hours of repetition until you feel as comfortable or in some cases, believe it or not, you feel more comfortable on air than you do off air. People think that's impossible, but I can promise you, I feel more comfortable on air. I feel more comfortable talking to you right now than I would if I were just at a random dinner table with four or five other people, at which point I would be like, Everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, but right in your eyes. Small, small talk is dried up, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, with the success you've had with Late Kick, and just skyrocketed up, and now you know, twenty four seven, and you're on CBS Sports. Everybody, you know, uh, here in Georgia, Harris County, Muskogee County, loves to see your success. You know, hometown boy. Do you think back to like? You know, growing up in small town Georgia, working in that uh, fabric factory. I mean, do you think back to like, man, you know, it's I've come so far, but you have that kind of perspective, right? All the time. I, every time I'm down there, I was down there for Thanksgiving. Every time I'm down there, I'll drive down to 12th Street because that's where that fabric warehouse is. And I'll um, so you sometimes if it's later at night and there's no traffic, I'll just I'll just sit there and park and I'll I'll sit there and. Another another good place I love to go is over um, the viaduct down there that goes over the rail yard because you can see downtown. Yeah. And uh, a third place I like to go, and we actually, when we covered the Auburn-Georgia game earlier this year, I stayed in that Marriott that has the Hands, you know, right there in the bottom. And it's across the street from the Carpenters building downtown where when I attended CSU, I was enrolled. And it was the very, very first time that they launched any kind of radio program or broadcast media program. And we, we would sit down there in that little glass studio on Friday nights and do a three-hour radio show. Now, the signal got nowhere. No one was listening. But I can't tell you how invaluable those, those hours of repetition were to formulating a craft and, and to understanding how to establish identities, understanding how to psychologically set up a show, how to build a segment, how to format things, how to have a plan for where you start and where you finish something instead of just talking and seeing what comes out. All that got really learned and formulated down there in Columbus. That doesn't happen once you get to the national level. You don't make it to the national level unless you learn to do those things. And here's the other thing, Jason, this is as true in local news as it is in any other walk of life. Sometimes, in fact, a lot of times, you can't be counting on someone to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, here's how it's done. Sometimes you just have to roll up your sleeves, use technology for good, and, and learn how to perfect your craft and seek tutelage from any and all corners of life. Because um, th that right there is a lot of how I was able to, to end up doing what I did. And I'm not trying to present myself as some authority on it either. I'm saying for me, I didn't have classical training. I, I didn't have a lot of the things that other people in, in my own business have. I had to gain that and acquire that somewhere. And that's how I chose to do it. But yeah, when I'm down there, uh, when I talk to anyone from back home, I'm, I'm very intimately aware of how little difference there is between me now and me then. I, I appear different and more people see me and I've got more resources to work with. But you, you cut the person open figuratively and you find out, no, no, the spirit the personality, the immutable characteristics 
that are here now, they already were there. And the reason that message is so important is because I know inevitably you got people listening right now who, who are doing it right and who are made of the right stuff, but could be bringing home less per year than it even takes for them to live. They can't even make ends meet. I know because I've been there before. And, and you can trick yourself into thinking, well, when I see red on my balance sheet, that must mean I'm doing something wrong. It may not mean that. It may mean that you're doing stuff right and just the ice hasn't thawed yet. I could take an ice cube and put it on this table right now. It's, it is 71 degrees in this room. Well, even then, it's going to take that ice cube a little while to melt, just like worthwhile, worthwhile goals end up taking a little bit more time to accomplish and achieve than something that can be microwaved overnight. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we, we live in this impatient culture, you know, uh, microwaves, streaming, everything is so like we want, on it, demand. we want it. Yeah. On demand. We want it. We want it now. We want to watch Late Kick Live right now. It's while it's live, you know. And um, and sometimes it's not our timing. It, it's God's timing. And I know that we're going to talk, you know, obviously about some of the um, big college football games coming up and SEC culture. And but, you know, um, I wanted to dig a little bit. Also, we talk about faith and fitness here on the Run the Race podcast um, about how you have, a, you know, a Church of Christ roots here in Georgia. And uh, you start off uh, every episode, if I'm right, you say, um, you know, in the year of our Lord. Um, and then you end with God bless. So you kind of have this, the bookend. I mean, it's kind of like little subtle things because obviously your show's about college football. That's the focus. Um, but how does, how does faith, um, and, and your church upbringing, how does that, um, you know, drive your decisions in life? Um, every, every decision is driven by that. Um, I think the way we present our show, so the, the philosophy behind that, I never envisioned myself, this is just me speaking, I never envisioned myself using my platform to, to preach or to just like spray my faith like a fire hose in people's faces because I don't think it's necessary. I think conversely, if someone, if someone, let's just say, samples five of my shows, if they do that, that's about five hours of content. If you expose yourself to five hours of me, thank you, first off. But if you expose yourself to five hours of me and you don't pick up on there being something a little bit different about me than most people, then that's that's a me problem. I got to work on me a little bit. And my point there is I've gotten thousands and thousands of emails over the time that I've been up here. That's a few years now of people thanking me for portraying my faith on air. But I, I never I never waved a Bible in my hand. I never did anything like that. But what I did is I based my principles and values on my faith. And we build the shows and present the content probably just a few degrees different. There's some things we won't say. There's some places we won't go, some avenues that we don't explore because of that. And in turn, people pick up on it because it's a light. It's what you're called to be anyway. It is a light in a, in a sea that otherwise looks pretty much the same. And so, you know, I told my team when I got here that there are going to be elements of faith woven into our show, but it's not going to look maybe like you think it's going to look. We're not going to have a Bible verse of the show. We're not going to we're not going to take five minutes and do a devotional at the beginning or the ending. We don't need to. That's not the way that it has to be presented. And so it, it drives everything. It drives every decision that we make. There's not a thing that I would ever do in my personal life or that I would ever present. From a professional standpoint, 
that is not built on that foundation. It's, it, it's no different than if I sold cars. Um, there, there is a reputation about a car salesman. There is a stereotype about car salesmen. Well, I can, I can pretty well rest assured because of how popular that industry is. There are also people in the car sales industry who are men and women of faith. I should be able to interact with them and pick up on the fact that, hmm, they don't necessarily fit the old stereotype out there. I wonder why that is. That's very interesting. And then slowly you come to find out, oh, oh, that's why. But the thing about it is they never had to tell me. They never had to tattoo it on their arm. I, I picked up on it through their actions. And that's how I've always wanted to present our show. Yeah, kind of, you know, uh, actions speak louder than words, right? And because uh, you don't need to to yell it. There's, there's plenty of people doing the, the preaching and the yelling. So, you know, <laughs> can everybody stay, stay in our lane? And so is it, is it okay, you think, to, uh, to pray for your team to win? Do you think that that works or is, is God okay with that? <laughs> Look, I don't, <clears throat> I'm not going to be the one who sits here and tells you it changes the outcome of games. <laughs> I, and and I, don't, I don't claim to be able to, to imitate how God interprets that sort of thing. But I think the worst case is he, he looks at it and grins a little bit. He may know it's not going to change anything, or maybe he knows far more than I ever know. And maybe it does. I'm just saying, I don't think it's a, it's, there's no downside to it is what I'm saying. So pray away. There's no downside to please don't let this iron bowl turn out like the last two. I can't, please, <laughs> please don't let this happen. I, I don't think there's any downside to that. Yeah. We're not, we're not saying God likes Nick Saban better than Kirby smart or anything like that, you know? So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, and you know, down here where, where I am and, and, and where you grew up and you're not too far from here in Nashville, but, um, this is the Bible belt and, uh, and, and it's sec football is paramount. I mean, I grew up, up in North Carolina where, where basketball was king and, um, down here, college football is king. It, 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 it trumps Atlanta Falcons. It trumps, you know, all that stuff when you're down in this area, Florida, Georgia, Alabama. Um, and so, um, tell me about the sec culture uh, for, for those maybe that are very familiar with it or those who maybe live in Michigan, you know, is it, is it just a different feel? Much different. Um, I grew up in it, and so sometimes I don't realize when I'm in Virginia or Oregon or wherever we are, I don't realize that everyone doesn't get it. But people ask you a lot, you know, people who know you're from the South. That's the number one question, actually, that I get. And, and Jason, coaches who have never coached in the SEC, assistant coaches, they'll ask as well, hey, what's it like? How different is it down there? Because they've heard stories, but they don't know. And um, so what I tell them is the best way I can describe it. And this is especially when you go further west. Out west, you get around Oregon fans. They're very passionate. They don't seem too dissimilar to Tennessee fans. Like they're very passionate. But what you have out west is you have little isolated pockets of hardcore college football fans kind of kind of mixed into an ocean of people that don't really care. In the South, you have an ocean of people who care and you have little pockets of people who don't care about college football. And so it's totally different. It, it is a it is a total immersion. When you grow up in the South, you have to try to avoid college football in the South. Out West, you have to try to find college football. And the reason I went out West is because when you get into places in the Midwest, you know, th there are little enclaves, Michigan and Ohio State being two of those places where 
No, man, it's kind of like the SEC. I've been at that game the last three years. It's very much on par with anything you would find in the SEC. The difference is I could also go to a Kentucky game down here, and I could go to a South Carolina game down here, an Arkansas game. It's pretty intense. You don't get that at Indiana and Purdue and Northwestern. You don't get that up there. Uh, You don't get that at Washington State uh, or Arizona State to the degree that you would down here, and people just don't care as much. And it's reflected in our numbers. You know, I didn't have to see our numbers and traffic to know that, but it is reflected. And one of the big cries out there in our world is, oh, you've got SEC bias. And what you'll notice is everyone who ends up working at ESPN is accused of having SEC bias. Doesn't matter if they, if they play clear out on the West coast at UCLA, all of a sudden when they come to ESPN, they magically have SEC bias. Well, it's reverse engineered is what people don't understand. It's not like once you go to ESPN, they cast a spell on you and you just you just care and eat, sleep and breathe SEC more than anything else. What it is, is you see the traffic, you see what people care about and you understand, well, in order for me to matter here, I'm going to have to redirect my conversation disproportionately towards SEC based topics. And, you know, you got folks on the front end who will tell you, really wish you talk about Oregon State more. Well, you do an Oregon State segment and it's your least traffic in, in the three year history of your show. And so you go back and you want to ask, hey, I did it. Where are you guys at? Where I, I do five times more traffic for a Florida segment about a team that's not going to a bowl game than I do this borderline playoff team up here. Where are you guys at? And so I get a little worked up when I talk about it because you'll have folks sometimes who try and criticize you for talking about a conference too much. And I always ask them, if you had your own show, what would you do? What would you talk about? And most of the time they understand where I'm going with that. Some of them want to be defiant. And they say, well, I would do a, I would do a true national show. And I say, well, good for you. Good for <laughs> you. But if you had shareholders to answer to, or if you were in a for-profit venture instead of a charity, no, you wouldn't. Not for long, you wouldn't. That's not how you cover this sport. You don't cover Major League Baseball and talk Yankees the exact same you do the Colorado Rockies. It would be foolish to do that unless you work in Denver. And that's how college football has come to operate with the SEC. And what's so interesting when we get into this next next iteration of college football is I don't know what's going to happen, Jason. The Pac-12 has dissolved. And we've got a very watered-down Big 12. And you've got just behemoths in the SEC and Big 10 and I don't, I don't know in good faith how we don't go to a world where it's a big two and then maybe a couple other teams. Like, yeah, FSU's still out there. Clemson, Miami, they're still out there. But by and large, we're, we're headed to a big two and everyone else. And I don't know how you avoid talking about it like that. Yeah, and I think that the Florida State being as an undefeated ACC champion being left out – I think that is only – it's like the straw that broke the camel's back when it comes to the ACC. I think, you know, you've got uh, rumors of nine teams talking about going somewhere, maybe the Big 12 or whatever. And we don't even – can't even put numbers on this. It's going to be like the Big 25 or whatever. Right. You know, That's going to be kind of where the future holds. And I know even though maybe Oregon State or Washington State may not care about Georgia or Alabama, Pate State cares about it. Right? You, so it's – how did that come about? The, the Pate State, was that something that was just uh, organic? or? Oh, yeah. All our best ideas are organic. Nothing that I think about ever works out. All the good <laughs> stuff's organic. Um, no, what, what we were doing was <clears throat> just community building, basically, and, and having, having inside nomenclature and something that's familiar to with your audience 
that also kind of piques the interest of an outsider. So anyone who watches our show knows I just I just created Pate State as our little fictitious university, but it's also, you know, sort of a sort of an insider club sort of thing. There's no membership due or anything like that. We just we got some T-shirts, we got some stickers, but it's mainly it's mainly an axiom that we use. But also people who have never sampled the show before have have seen that said or they've seen that shirt or they've they've heard it mentioned or when I'm introduced People say, Josh Pate, Pate State. And it makes someone go, what is that? What is Pate State? And if you get people asking questions about a show they've never watched before, you've done something right. And it's been the most valuable marketing tool that we could have ever invented. And it's been free. We didn't pay a dime to create it. But the marketing that it's done for us is valued in the millions and millions and millions of dollars because it has done what none of our marketing spending could have done. It's just been purely organic. Now, are you considered the president, chancellor? Are you still a student? Uh, I'm not Pate a student. State? No, no. Okay, I would have okay, dropped okay. out a long time ago. I don't need <laughs> the academic qualifications. I think the chancellor sounds so much better. Okay. Hey. I don't even know what the difference is between a president and a chancellor, but I think chancellor, chancellor sounds great. Here's my question to you. Chancellor, two syllables or three? Um. As three syllables officially. Chancellor. But I mean, yeah, Chancellor. But but, but no one that. says it like that. Only a psychopath would say it like that. It's Chancellor. Well, but it's like it's like Lafayette, Alabama. Yeah. I say, <laughs> I say Lafayette, but for the people that live there, it's like one syllable. Vet. Vet. Yeah. Vet. It's like it's like muscle muscle shoals instead of muscles. <laughs> Nashville. Okay, it's only it's two syllables. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, well, I want to um, we do some quick hits here. Uh, so we'll, we'll call you some quick hitters. We're going to go over some games here right. and um, we'll kind of we'll kind of go in order of when the games are. So the, the best ones being at the end. And these are games that maybe SEC football and national they care about. So we'll kind of spend uh, maybe a minute on each or something or a couple minutes on each. Um, first of all, we got Friday, December 29th. We've got a couple of games. Uh, Clemson, Kentucky in the. Uh, and the Gator Bowl, so that's the uh, I guess the 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 uh, current ACC versus the uh, you know SEC kind of middle of the road, right. right? Wild year for Clemson. That's a jarring year for Clemson. I think they they were bad enough relative to their standard this year that it enacted change inside that athletic department. Now that won't impact this game, obviously. Uh, Clemson ended the season the right way, like they ended the season trending up. There's something to be said about that. When your preseason goals are out the window and your guys stay bought in, you can criticize the head coach up there if you want to, but it means he's doing something right. Uh, Kentucky, conversely, they beat Louisville to end the year, but it was like a plus four turnover game, little misleading. So I like Clemson in that one. I don't think they're checked out. That's what you worry about in bowl season. Our guys checked out. I think they're fully dialed in. And at the end here, we're going to have you put on the uh, the headgear for sure. the uh, the team. Okay, all right. You yeah, got I have actually had a live tiger brought in, and he's been really <laughs> quiet. I appreciate that. He's been really quiet over here. So yeah, I'm ready for that. Gotcha. Uh, all right, Missouri, Ohio State, um, the team that was going to be in the big dance until they got beat uh, by Michigan, um, and now they get to play Missouri in the Cotton Bowl, right? Yep. That's the other team, um, Missouri, Clemson, Arizona. Those are the teams that ended the season red hot. And it's so funny because anyone in SEC country knows for so long, 
you've had these uh, bad actors in the room who intentionally use bowl records in a deceiving manner to discredit the SEC. And in the SEC in years past, you would have a team kind of playing the role of Ohio State this year whose goals were conference championship playoff, and they fall short, and you know the motivation is out of the balloon, and you got guys opting out, and you got guys transferring, and they face this little engine that could, who had no expectation, who's on fire like Missouri. Well, all of a sudden, that's the SEC team playing that role this year, and that's big bad Ohio State who has to play the role of the vulnerable favorite. Did you know, by the way, to illustrate that point, Ohio State opened as a six-point favorite. They're now a two-and-a-half-point dog. That is an eight-point odds move in a bowl game, no less. And so I lean Missouri. Like, I think the I think the line movement there has a lot of validity to it. And Eli Drinkwitz, man, I went up there for their Kansas State game in week three, and there was a walk-off 61-yard field goal. And that's the day I realized I'm not doubting Missouri because I looked at that game and said there is no edge they have against Kansas State. Now, I thought the edges were incremental and small, but there was no edge I thought they had. And I talked to some Kansas State staffers before the game, and they said, "We, it's a scrappy unit we're playing over there. We feel good, though. And they got beat. And it wasn't flukish. They just got beat. And Missouri did that stuff all year. Their losses were to Georgia and LSU. Both of those games were close. It's just a really good team. Jason, that team may win the ACC if they played in it this year. I don't think people yeah. realize that. Like, they're they're good enough to have won some other conferences. So I'll go Missouri. And, uh, you know, and, and and Ohio State may not feel like they have much to play for. Maybe yeah. maybe you can say that about Georgia and Florida State, who we're going to talk about in just a minute. But um, Saturday, December 30th, we've got Auburn versus Maryland in the Music City Bowl. It's not, they're not, Auburn's not in the Birmingham Bowl. Got Hugh Freeze has kind of brought them back to relevance and uh, almost beat Bama. So uh, now we go up against uh, the Terrapins. Yeah, I lean Auburn. I don't have a good feel about that game. I also am the idiot who has planned a broadcast on December 30th. We're going to be at the Rose Bowl getting ready for Bama, Michigan. And my thinking was, well, I don't want to do a show on the 31st because it's Sunday, New Year's Eve. So we'll do it on Saturday, right in the middle of all these games. So that's a that's a knock against me. <laughs> I think, though um, – I think I slightly lean Auburn, as is usually the case these days in bowl season. You don't know who's opting out. You're trying to check on that. You're trying to check on injuries. I um, like I like what Maryland did. They just made a move in the portal for next year at quarterback as well. So I, I like that they've been a nice little solid program up there as well. They've been overlooked because of the division they've been in. I will slightly lean Auburn, but as you can tell, there's not a ton of confidence in that pick. Yeah, and uh, then obviously the big game that's not in the CFP, uh, the University of Georgia Bulldogs versus the Florida State Seminoles in the Orange Bowl, the, I guess, the the bowl of the ones left out. Uh, yeah. I guess we maybe we can call it that. Um, you know, but well, what, what, next year they won't, they won't be left out. There will be 12. Um, so uh, tell me about uh, that game. Do, the, do, they, do these teams, are they motivated to, to win this game? I don't think so. Well, they're motivated to win the game. Are they motivated to the degree they would be if they were in the semifinal games? Not even close. A lot of players have opted out. Uh, the, the, the energy is so toxic around FSU, understandably so, right now. And I'm not saying the energy is toxic around Georgia. It's just they did not plan. It, it, it is burn the boats with them. We either go to the playoff national title game or, or we failed. And they view themselves as having failed this year. Having said that, 
The big news around that program right now is Carson Beck likely returning for another year. And if he does that, he's playing in this game. And if he plays in this game, they should beat Florida State by double digits. And that's like in, in, in old pro wrestling terminology, that's the bottom line called Stone Cold said so. There's not really much more that needs to be broken down about that. And then you add in the fact that Florida State may be dealing with motivation issues. Jason, one of the biggest rumors that we still haven't totally dispelled is Florida State may boycott the game. So I highly doubt that's a rumor around a game that they're also extremely excited to play in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we also got word recently that Jalen Milrow returning uh, to Alabama for next season as well. Uh, so uh, Bama, Michigan in the Rose Bowl. Um, you know, some people may be thinking this is the true national championship, you know, the Crimson Tide versus the Wolverines. And uh, you were talking earlier about your time in snowy Michigan. Uh, this is going to be a little warmer out in uh, Pasadena. Uh, so tell me about that game because you're going to be you're going to be at that game, right? Yeah, we'll be on the sideline for that game. I've never been to the Rose Bowl game. I've been to games at the Rose Bowl before, but this is the Rose Bowl game that is also a semifinal game. Um, you said this may be the national title game. I actually thought the SEC title game was the de facto national. Ooh, title game. okay, there you go. And so we 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 sat there and watched that one, just like we'll be out there watching this one. And uh, when Alabama won that one, I would say the same thing about Georgia. I'm going to give one of those teams three weeks to get healthy, so so Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey could have healed up for Georgia. Or in this case, Bama's defensive front, which was really banged up, their starting running back was out. He's banged up. You all of a sudden get those guys healthy. You got that offensive line playing the way it has, and you got Michigan with an inability to push the ball down the field. I, I think it's tailor-made for Alabama. I, I'd love the matchup for Georgia as well, uh, but I love the matchup for Alabama. And so they're a slight underdog in this game, by the way. Um, do you make of that what you will? And uh, I, I am in a state where it's legal to place action on such things. So you make of that what you will. But I like Alabama and very, very confident in that pick. Well, I think Nick Saban, he relishes, he wants to be the underdog. He does not want to be favored. He does not want to be number one. He, and, and But you got Jim Harbaugh back on the sidelines, so uh, we'll see. Uh, and the last one is the Sugar Bowl, Texas versus Washington, two versus three. Um, and uh, it's an interesting game because Washington is not maybe known for scoring a lot of points, and Texas is hot right now. Well, here's the problem. If you look at the brands – you immediately lean Texas. And the problem is, if you go blind resume, I've seen both these teams in person twice this year. I watched both of them up close. Um, Washington's proven me wrong all year. Picked against them, I think, three times and went 0-3. I went to the – I went to actually, I saw Washington three times. I went to both Oregon games. Their offensive line is the most underrated unit in the country. Everyone knows about the quarterback. Everyone knows about the receivers. Uh, their their offensive line was a Joe Moore Award finalist as a unit that goes to the top O line in the country. Extremely good. It's the hardest thing to do on the West Coast is build an offensive line because there are none of them out there. You have to go east to recruit them even. So I look at them and they don't run the ball all that well. And that's Texas's strength. Texas got a top five run defense. Washington doesn't care. They don't run the ball anyway. But Texas is in the 90s in pass defense. And guess who has the number one passing offense in the country? It's the team they're about to play. So Texas has got really good athletes. Texas can score 40 or 50 if they need to as well. Washington does not have a great defense either. I think it may turn into a track meet. 
I I don't know, Jason, actually, where I lean on that one yet. I'm still undecided. I think it, the matchup couldn't be better for Washington, given that it's the playoff. Maybe if you pin me down right now, I slightly lean Texas, but I do reserve the right in my contract to flip-flop as kickoff draws closer. Let me check. I'm checking the contract now. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. I the got second, yeah, second page. Second, second yes, page. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, we, I appreciate your picks. I appreciate your insight. And the one, last game is uh, Pate State versus Columbus State University. Oh How would goodness. you? That, is that a, is that a tough matchup? Or well, it's it's so tough because you know I have immense respect for that program. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, I, I came from that program. I am I am the Kirby Smart to Columbus State's Alabama. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. Having said that, Pate State by 90. I mean, we've got to be competitive, Ooh. don't we? We've got to honor the integrity of competition. So I welcome I welcome Mike Spake's club football team up here anytime. And we will we will find an available parks and rec facility and we will go at it. Okay. All right. You, you heard it here. I'm going to, we're going to pass that on to him, you know? Um, and then one last thing, Josh, I appreciate your time. Um, when, you know, you're out there on the sidelines or you're watching college football a lot. You're, I mean, you're, yeah, that's, that's part of your job. It's not a, not a bad part of the job. Get to watch football uh, for part of it. Um, but you, um, you see these guys, huge guys, guys are in the weight room a lot and you're, I mean, you wear the, the white shirt a lot on, on, you know, on shows and stuff. And, and you're a lot of times you're showing, uh, showing the guns. So are you, what do you, I mean, do you, uh, is that part of your regular routine working out? Cause we talk about fitness on this podcast of, you know, do you kind of, you know, kind of squeeze that in, even if you're on a road trip to Pasadena or something like that? Yeah. Let me say this. Okay. I know, I know you see people on TV a lot who obviously work out and they wear the medium shirts to intentionally <laughs> draw attention to themselves. And it seems it's very vain and it's very vapid. I can, I don't want to disappoint you, but I wear those white t-shirts because I bought a pack of them a long time ago and I, I never wanted to dress up on air. I've always thought one of the dumbest concepts in the world is wearing a suit to talk about sports because at the end of the day, we're talking about sports. And so those shirts just fit me now a little bit tighter because I do work out a lot and I'm too cheap to buy new shirts. So it may appear that I'm trying to show off mm. in reality, it's cheapness. That's what it is, Jason Dennis. But here's the other thing. <laughs> so at, at my position that I'm in right now, I control my schedule. I make my own schedule. And the biggest blessing there is you can put your workout wherever you want. So I get to work out like, for example, you and I are talking in the morning and it's mid morning here in Nashville. When we get done, I'll, I'll do my six eggs over here. I'll do my pre-workout shake. And then I'll go over to the YMCA here in downtown Nashville and there'll be nobody in there. And that's not just because it's December right now. There'll be nobody in there because it's, it's 12 or one o'clock in the afternoon. And you get to, you get to avoid the morning crowd. You get to avoid the afternoon rush crowd and you get to work out on your time. Now you still got to put the work in on the back end, like, I mean, eat right and all that stuff, but it's such a benefit when you don't have to work because I've done it. Trust me. I know when you don't have to work eight to five and then try and get in the gym that night when you're exhausted, when you can instead do it in the middle of the day, I don't know how much of my salary I would trade in exchange for keeping that. But if it was an either or scenario, you can take a lot of that salary from me. You let me work out in the middle of the day because that's basically all I spend money on anyway. Um, that is that is so unbelievable because rarely did I ever get to do that in a former life. And when you talk to football players and coaches, I mean, did that does it kind of uh, is it good for your reputation to have some some you know some some muscles and and so that when you're talking to them, they're like, oh, this guy's uh, 
you know, stays in shape like I did. You know, I never thought of it, but yes, it always benefits me. And there's always a level of seriousness they take you with because you keep yourself in shape. And then the other thing that I've gotten access to is anywhere we go, like during the season, I'll go to a, I'll pick a game. That's, that's my actual job, by the way. I pick whichever game I want to go to and we go. We'll get to that town Friday normally. And it, it, whether it's Alabama or Ohio State or Penn State, wherever, Oregon, they will let me work out at the team facility. They'll let me, let me work out in their weight room on Friday. That is its own miniseries to just take yourself and a crew into these different college weight rooms because they're worth more than like your entire neighborhood. It's insane. The technology they have in those places and two of them this year, and I won't name them, two of them let me work out and they hit three of them. Actually, my bad. Um, they had installed equipment that was so new no one else had known about it and they didn't want the information getting out because they didn't want to be copied. So there were three different weight rooms I worked out in this year where there's stuff NASA probably doesn't even have access to, but college football programs do. It's unbelievable. You don't want to leave. I pride myself in getting a workout in, in 75 minutes or less. Those were all two plus hours for me. Wow. Wow. Well, uh, Josh Pate, I, uh, of uh, the chancellor of Pate State, uh, I appreciate your time. And uh, I know you're a busy man this time of year and, and uh, enjoy uh, a little bit of downtime before the uh, the big uh, trip to California and uh, and hope the uh, hope the SEC football teams, you know, kind of uh, show that that what it means more. It just means more. <laughs> Is that still the slogan? <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. Is that still the slogan? Can you imagine? How big an overdrive will be ramped up on that once you add Oklahoma and Texas? Woo, man! Yeah, the the schedules for next year it's like Murderer's Row for the uh, current two time champion Georgia Bulldogs, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be some it's gonna be some exciting games in uh, early, like in you know in September, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, man! It's I looked at the schedule released the other night, a couple of a few nights ago. I look. I know we're going to have an expanded playoff. I know all that's coming. I'm not the craziest in the world about it, but it's coming. To me, if you make it through the SEC, if you are the SEC champion in the future, that's worth as much to me as anything you do in the postseason. I mean, you could have injuries, bounce of ball luck. You come through the SEC and play that schedule that any of these teams are about to play – and win a championship game, that is the biggest feat you could accomplish in this sport. People think that doesn't sound right now. Wait till you see this sport over the next few years. And wait wait till your eyes and your common sense readjust to calibrate for it. That SEC schedule is a death march. And, and someone's going to make it through every year. And that right there is the most impressive championship you're going to win. Yeah, well, you guys uh, keep everybody that's listening now. Make sure to listen and watch, you know, Late Kick with Josh Paid, YouTube and Everything, everywhere you find podcasts, and he's on CBS Sports. He's, he's, he, you're, you're a big deal now. So you know, <laughs> you get get used to it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Josh. I appreciate it. Hey, look, when I was down there, uh, I knew. I mean, I watched Phil over at three. I watched you and Barbara over at nine. Um, I know you don't hear this, but when, well, you probably hear it to your face. But let me confirm: when you're out in the community, when when you're out to eat, when when you're at the park or whatnot. And people ask you what you do, and they would ask me what I did. And I said, oh, I anchor news. They would say, oh, you work with you work with Jason Dennis? Oh, yeah, you work with Phil Scoggins, Barbara? You, 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 you work? And that's, that's the feedback. And you have to say, 
Nope, nope, not quite there. No, not with them. We're um, we're over here over on, on this network, over on this channel, and they would go, "Oh, you're not Jason." Okay, oh. all righty. So yes, yes. Th those of us who have been through the market, we've all dealt with it. It's called the um, I believe they call it the DS, the Dennis Shadow. I think is what experts call it. And wow, it, it casts far and wide, whether you know it or not. Yeah, well, I don't have Dennis State yet, but I'll I'll uh, I'll make it there one day. So yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, I appreciate it. All right, man. And Pate, you know, he loves the rivalries of college football, the pageantry. Uh, all the game day stuff on campus. I think he's going to be in Pasadena covering uh, the game with Alabama there. Uh, he does not like the uh, you know the corporate side of the sport and a lot of money involved. And uh, he doesn't really not a fan of the quote unquote casuals who talk trash without really having any real knowledge. But uh, he has a lot of knowledge uh, through years and years of covering uh, college football. And we've got some games, actually, if this episode comes out uh, like I hope it does, overnight going into Wednesday, uh, December 27th, the last Wednesday of 2023. Got some games on tap with some ACC, SEC, uh, Pac-12 teams, as the Pac-12 currently exists. Got Virginia Tech versus Tulane. UNC, my Tar Heels versus West Virginia, Louisville versus USC, and Texas A&M versus Oklahoma State. So happy watching. Uh, maybe you have some days off from work. You'll get to sit back and watch some football with your family and friends. And uh, so uh, we'll see how those uh, predictions turn out that Josh Pate told me about with the big games coming up in the next few days as well. And if you missed it, my last episode was uh, very holiday-themed. It was kind of a mishmash of some of the best of from the J&J &J Christmas Music Extravaganza where uh, myself and Justin Ballou, a local music producer and singer-songwriter, uh, we uh, sat down the last two years and uh, had a, a variety show where we uh, sang some solos, some duets. He played some great music on the violin and piano and guitar. And uh, so you can uh, go back. And if you're still in the mood to listen to some Christmas music, you know, go back and uh, check that out. Got some new songs as well on there, including from a platinum-selling uh, artist, uh, Mark Schultz. So uh, definitely check that out. And uh, hope you, uh, again, had a great Christmas uh, celebrating the birth of Christ as uh, this is uh, definitely an important time of the year. And uh, it's a good kind of a, you know, hope you close out the year well as, you know, talking, you know, when it comes to faith and fitness and uh, focusing on the right things, the priorities in your life, your family. And, uh, and you know, the new year means new beginnings. You know, it's a fresh start for a lot of us. So looking forward to that as well. And as we close this episode, I'm going to close it now in prayer. Dear God, just thank you for this time together. We thank you for Christmas and for Jesus for, for coming in the flesh uh, in a manger, uh, being born and, uh, you know, 2,000 plus years ago and uh, coming as our Savior. And Lord God, that let us not forget that is the reason for the season. Uh, keep everybody safe in their travels back home or to college football bowl games or playoff games and, and uh, keep everybody safe on the field as well. And uh, Lord God, we just thank you for uh, the ability to, to have sports like this, to love. And uh, let us remember the important things in life that uh, sometimes it's in, you know the wins and losses, but it's important to how we play the game, how we play the game of life. And that let us focus on you and uh, focus on uh, being better and being kind to others uh, as we close out this year and start 2024. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.
All right. Thank you so much again for listening. Hope you enjoy that conversation with uh, Josh Pate. Uh, he's uh, it's, it's a great guy that I got to meet several years ago here in Columbus, Georgia, as he was at a competing station. And uh, he has really done well, um, again, from those uh, smaller beginnings and really um, has has worked so hard to get where he is. And uh, so his success, um, you know, it's, it's paid off. And uh, he continues to do what he loves, talking about college football and a lot of people love to love to hear about it and love to hear about the SEC and all the changes with the the portal and and uh, the wild wild west out there and uh, the changes in conferences who knows what college football is going to look like you know three years ten years from now it could be a whole different landscape so again I hope you have a great end to this year and uh, we'll see you next year God bless <music>